Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by Witchschool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. And good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whenever you're listening to this. And it could be any time, any place, any time after, after this very moment, because, you know, our files and our archives are eternal. You know, there's, there's going to be a day our descendants are going to be listening to this, and they're going to go, oh, the great ancestors on the Pagans Tonight podcast. And I'm Ed the Pagan, and I'm so glad that you continue to make us part of your day and part of your lives, and uh, keeping us one of the highest-rated uh, podcasts in the world. And I really am so appreciative of that. Today, we're going to talk more about business. Um, I've been off you know, a couple of days, birthday and all that, and going out to the weekend, got to see Tribal Stomp. Saw Wendy Rule, Jason Winslade, got to see our good friend Alan Salmi, went to the Parliament event, and learned uh, showed, that it showed that we have to do a lot more work in Chicago to get a lot more recognition. They don't really haven't seen us really evolve in the last 20 years. So that's a thing in Chicago, and I bet you that's going to be true almost everywhere. Um, we're not that known to interfaith organizations, so we're working on that still. And on my birthday yesterday uh, – I launched uh, the pre-ordering for my book that's coming out in May, The Secret Art of Witch Wars, the updated, uh, the updated version of Witch Wars Defense Manual from 2005. And, man, the world has changed, and there's a lot of things that haven't changed. There's a lot of basics that are still out there that are human nature, but, man, some of the tricks and tools of what happens when you get after you get accused of being a witch and how many different ways you can be burned out in our society is dramatic. Um, I found a new one called Flying monkey syndrome it's a real syndrome around narcissists and i see it in our community a lot so 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 check it out on indiegogo check out my facebook page or anywhere else but today we're with bernadette montana of brigitte's closet um and she maintains a shop and she does festivals and she does a lot of work uh she's a uh she's you know she's she's a third degree priestess in the progressive ways and um, tarot and everything else. But I'm going to let her describe herself and uh, other things. I think there's some interesting um, tribal stuff that she does. <laughs> but most importantly, one of the things she does is that in this day and age, she runs uh, events, festivals, and a shop out in Orange County, New York, or Cornwall, New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, well, so welcome aboard. Thank you. Yeah, we kind of – uh, do a lot here, and it's Breed's Closet after uh, it's the Breed's Closet. Breed or, yeah, after my goddess, uh, uh, Breed or Bridget, or as she's sometimes known as St. Bridget. Um, and so I named the, the business uh, after her. And I've been in business for about 20 years now, so it's been uh, quite a ride, you know, over these many years. And, and as you had mentioned, you could see things have changed in over the two decades that I've been doing this, you know. Uh, absolutely. So you started out so t- uh, two decades. So you started out what ninety nine? Yeah, right around uh, that time. Yeah, and I started in New Pulse, which was another town, and then eventually I migrated over here to Cornwall. Okay. So I feel like that's the last of the great times where shops really formed up was like in the late nineties. Um, I think that I, by, I think you're by, right about that. Yeah. Um, the surviving shops tend to be from that period of time. Because it's got to be tough because now you're, you're competing against – so before you used to compete locally. You know, who could you attract locally and everything else? But now you're competing against an entire 
spectrum of different yeah. competitors, and some of them come right into your house and that kind of mug you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. I've dealt with it all. When so, you said witch wars and all that, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's one of the reasons why I'm writing the manual. I think I have a whole section in there about merchants and the problems that merchants face. Um, yeah, it's 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 um it, it it's a big problem with with certain people because I think, and I know a lot of other store owners would agree that if you own a store, then you become the center of the community, and then you have to not just serve, you know, your store's needs, but you serve the needs of community, and not everybody in the community is all there. So, like, when you mentioned narcissism and um, other things in regards to your book, that really hit home. Absolutely. Thank. Well, thank you. But I want to get more into where you're at. So, you bet, that's a very interesting point. Uh, I interviewed the Occult Society yesterday, which was formerly known as the Occult Bookstore, and they, mm-hmm. because they did – so much community work ended up giving up being a store and now have become a church um, because of the fact that they were so much at the center of their community. So right. you see stores as a center of a community. Um, it, it, it is that because they're the most public um, out there because nobody you know, goes to newspapers anymore. Everything is on Facebook. Um, or or on the internet at the very least, and you know businesses like that have to be uh, up to date. And as a result, they're out there. People see. You know, you could type in witch or witchcraft, and your local store will come up if there is one there. You know, or the one that is uh, closest to you. Um, but I tell you, what has changed over the years is where at first retail was the thing that supported the store. Now that's not the case. It's the services that support the store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it's retail, it's actually for the non-metaphysical community that happens to walk in town, and then they buy a lot of you know unique items. But that's not mm-hmm. the case anymore. Pretty much the services, classes, the events, the festivals, that's what uh, supports stores nowadays. Well, it seems like that basically the idea of experiences is now becoming the the essential aspect of being in the pagan community, regardless mm-hmm. if you're running a high priest, running a temple or a store or things like that. Um, right. Do you feel – because in part, information is plentiful now, and I know there's a lot of older leaders who really don't like the fact that the younger Zoomers, late boom, uh, millennials and early Zoomers – are all super filled with knowledge. I mean, they know everything. And he's like, but you guys wrote all those books and made all those kits and did all of this work to get them educated. And then they find out that I'm um, seeing a lot older don't like the fact that they these kids feel familiar with the material. And and then right. they go, well, they have no experience. Well, well, no, that's the problem. They have no experience. Right. And so that seems right. to be the next step. Yeah, to me that's, a hundred percent correct because a lot of people will read a book and they go, Oh, great. I'm a witch now. And I'll do that. Um, I think what, uh, we try to do here in the community as well as I do have a cousin and I do have a large community here in our, in Orange County, uh, New York. Um, but I also try to strive to help, uh, the solitary, which is a little bit different than maybe a lot of people do. And that is just to help them with that knowledge. And understand that experience is actually far more important um, 
than what any book can give you. You know, how do you teach relationship with deity from a book? Well, so books provide the information and structure, and I understand. Sure. And there are people who teach themselves out of books. Got it. You know, and actually, that's almost a trope in our community for a long time. So this is not new. I think what's mm-hmm. new is that they're. So what I think that's the thing that's new, and I think so. I want to get it from a perspective. So you do a lot of classes, a lot of shops. You're doing a festival soon. You, I see you, you do more than one festival. Your next one coming yes. up is Beltane? Yes, that's our Beltane Festival on May 2nd. And talk a little bit about that because that's probably like a place where people can come and get experiences. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, it is – well, I rent a vineyard here. So obviously right off the bat we have wine and mead available to everybody. But we have about 60 to 70 vendors, all metaphysical in nature. Um, we have workshops that, go, that uh, go on throughout the day from uh, local leaders and then others. Like this year, we have uh, – well, we're still working on it, but right now Lilith Dorsey is going to be a part of our um, um, teachers uh, um, that are on board. And we have Frenchie and the Punk as far as uh, music. But I'm still working on a lot more. It's still a little bit early. Um, and so sure. with the workshops, music throughout the day. Um, and all of the different stores, people get an idea as to what we do. And then we hold, like, the largest Maypole dance in Orange County. So we have hundreds of people um, participating. That We've had weddings there. We've had engagements there. Um, it, it's, it's a wonderful time. And then everybody's all in costume and dress. So it's almost like a, a, a mini uh, Ren Festival. And it's open to everybody. It's for children. It's for adults. It's everybody uh to come it's a lot of fun gotcha it sounds like it and that's way people yeah, get exposure and things like that yeah we get about so eight hundred people every year so that's uh that's an important aspect um and so so having a shop because you have the rent utilities yeah right and you know any employee costs right mm-hmm. stocking fees and then the store of value can get out of, you know, the biggest thing that I've seen hurt pagan stores or Wiccan stores or metaphysical stores is the weight of their product is the best way to phrase it. Meaning right. they end up getting so much product that they don't, they don't turn it over well. Mm-hmm. That gives the burden. Down. So how do you, how um, do you stay alive in this day and age? Um, I uh, Like I said, I kind of learned to go with the flow, and the needs of the community flow and ebb a lot. So, you know, one author might be hot this year, or um, a certain type of crystal for some reason will sell a lot more one month and then nothing the next month. you got to figure out what your basics are that everybody will need, like something like sage and quartz, uh, um, you know, your almanacs. Those are like the the basics, incense will always uh, sell. But the other stuff can be kind of tricky, and um, it, it's gonna you're gonna have to kind of pick and choose that. What I've also learned is wherever a store opens up, you should immerse yourself into the local community, even if it's not metaphysical. So I'm I'm very active politically in the town, and I'm very active with my chamber of commerce. And I, I really make myself – nobody's indispensable, but I'm a necessary part of the town 
in supporting all the businesses as a whole. And in doing that, the people then realize I'm not so spooky, I'm not so scary, and that I contribute a lot into the town. And then they'll support me. So it's it's kind of making good with your neighbor. Gotcha. Because I think that's one of the things that I think a lot of shopkeepers have a problem with is that they get in. It depends on where you are in the country. So you seem to have good neighbors, and that's an important factor. How did you? In at uh, the beginning, it wasn't. <laughs> that's what I was going to ask you. How did you get there? It, it's what I was saying, like uh, joining your local com- chamber of commerce. Um, be thick-skinned. If somebody says something that is a little, you know, offensive, like, "Hey, I thought you did this," and I'm like, "Oh, come on," you know, use a little bit of humor and. Um, be an active part. In other words, the, the, the town has festivals that they put on, and I volunteer for those things. Um, I attend the local meetings. Um, I talk to people one at a time, uh, letting them know what I do and, and, you know, dispelling a lot of myths. It's taking a long time, but now that, that has worked for me. I got you. That makes good sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that makes good sense. I mean, that you have worked out and you've done that. Pagans have to try harder. (laughs) Well, I think, and I think anyone who wants to be successful try harder. I'm a big believer in the 99-1 rule, which means 90% of the people really just want to watch or be entertained. 9% of people will activate or be a part of it, and only 1% really means what they say and will carry out their actions. You know, this has been true. No, that's very good. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think this is true of pagans. I think when people complain, oh, they're not really pagans because they're not really trying, they don't realize right. 90% of the people don't try it. 100% of the people don't try at 90% of what, they, what they're exposed to. And only about 10% of your life is really the stuff that most people really want to work on. And unfortunately, right. it should be the other way around. I agree with you. you. Know, you should, I absolutely agree with you. But, mm-hmm. but we're caught in the structure. We're caught in the system. We're caught in the culture. I mean – you know, people always laugh and says we're we're better than ants only in the degree that we feel like we we've got more capability. But I guarantee, if we were ants, we'd feel just as happy, uh, right? <laughs> because mm-hmm. because we do have a we we because we do have this sort of structure to society that we like to follow, and so people about the trends like yourself because obviously not everybody opens shops. And let me be honest right. with you, the shop. Shopkeeping is one of the hardest aspects of the pagan community, and yet yeah. it's kind of one of the biggest backbones of the community. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's it's hard. It's hard to be self-employed. It's hard to do that in certain communities. It's not easy at all. Well, let me tell you, I don't think it's easy in any community, but I think that we. Mm-hmm. But we're exposed to it because one of the things that the idea of that that how do you combat the idea of pagan poverty? I mean, the idea. Oh, we really can't afford to be have a shop. We really can't afford this stuff. Um, how do you get through that? How do you maintain? Obviously, you're doing pretty well and you're thriving. I mean, at least I hope you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you're still um, there. Hmm? Um, it it's a it is a tough thing when when people really don't have uh, money and and I'm sure a lot of other storekeepers will understand that. A lot of people would just come in here and hang to talk about, you know, their fears or what they want to learn about paganism and, and such like that, especially young ones. They'll come in and buy a candle 
or they'll buy two sticks of Intense, which is, you know, 35 cents and all that. But down the line, down the line, um, I, I believe that it helps. Um, you know, you, you might be kind to somebody and help them out, and they've only spent a dollar, but down the line, um, they learn to to uh, really appreciate the work that you've done for them. I won't say that that's true with everybody, um, but most of the people, you know, that I think most pagan store owners uh, try to help, they're also kind of meek, you know what I mean? It's like they're a little afraid to talk to people and afraid to uh, uh, buy things. They're not so sure if this is their path. Down the line, if you're kind to them and you're good to these people, eventually they come back or at least the word spreads, you know, and then people go, oh, I heard you helped somebody else uh, with this. Maybe you can help me. And then, you know, it, it's kind of word of mouth. Absolutely. So that's, that's an important aspect. Now, do you have an Internet aspect at all to your business? Um, I do have a website, and I have a really large Facebook uh, uh, presence. So, so you have a bit of it, but it's but you're still primarily a brick and mortar stores and doing brick and mortar events. Yeah, I don't um, sell too much um, online. Uh, I, uh, what really supports the store more than anything else is my tower readings and uh, my tower business, which you know I do a, a weekly show. Uh, in regards to tarot, and I do uh, classes that I do online too, but I also do that uh, through Facebook. So that's been uh, a really big plus for me. Kind of have to keep up to date with with uh, whatever tools are given to you. That makes sense. So, so people want to get so so some so people may want to get into think they want to start a shop. So what would be your best advice of telling them that they should and maybe even if they why they shouldn't, you know, that sort of thing? All right. I mean, it, it, it's very satisfying to um, accomplish things. When you open up the store and you see that there's the need that is there, that is very, very satisfying. And helping people out in regard to the spirituality is probably one of the biggest, the biggest highs that I get from this. Um, it wasn't always so. I was a little nervous at first. I wasn't so used to being um, in the public eye, as it were, you know. But now, after all these many years, I've acclimated myself to that. It is very satisfying, and I love what I do because um, paganism is, or, you know, I try to work with everybody here, um, all sorts of spiritualists, not just Wiccans, and it's not just heathens, and it's not just, it's, it's everybody that's pretty much earth-based. Um, we run book clubs and and the events, the uh, public rituals. It, that's the biggest plus, I think, uh, from all of this. Um, the biggest thing against it is the sheer amount of hours that you have to put into this. Sometimes I'm at the store for over 10 hours a day. And the second thing are kind of like the witch wars. So, you know, um, sometimes other people uh, may be a bit intimidated and will then come out attacking or you didn't help them enough or not everybody is stable. So um, you have to deal with certain things like that, you know. Um, I have lots of stories on, on that end. But I would say that the pluses outweigh the minuses 
if you can meet your monthly bills, you know, it's a few thousand a month that you need to uh, really make this work, and you have to develop your clientele. So it doesn't happen overnight. So you really have to be on top of things. Oh, I, I see it. Yep. Um, yes. I do. I'm I'm not one for for a shop. I've I've ran shops myself, and they're really tough uh, to run. And then they do have this aspect of it. And those who can succeed at them, I absolutely do. But I do think that one of the biggest mistakes people make is underestimating, like you said, the time. And as yes. you mentioned, the capital needed to get started. I mean, everybody thinks that mm-hmm. they're going to open the shop, and the world's going to come to them. Oh, we, we suffer. Yeah. We suffer from that sort of reality. I guess that optimism is necessary, or else nobody would ever open a shop. Correct. Uh, <laughs> I do think that's, that's probably more true than I. Um, so okay, so so, and you're a woman business owner, and I, I I've been. Um, and th- does that make a difference, or do you think that has anything to do with it? Do you get treated differently than you think a male counterpart? I mean, I've heard that, or is it just you're okay with where you're at? Um. I, I, I never thought about it as the male-female uh, thing in regards to opening uh, this type of shop or running uh, this type of shop. I think at least in Orange County, and I could be wrong, so I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to say this verbatim, but I think most of the shops that I know all around her are all owned by females. So um, I don't think the male-female thing is seems to be, uh, an important thing, at least in this part of New York. And I'm pretty close to the city. And, you know, to me, a shop like this was almost a dime a dozen when I was growing up in, in the 80s and 90s and my punk days in New York City. Um, gee, uh, Enchantments was the very first metaphysical shop and Magical Child with uh, Herman Slater. Those were my first shops uh, growing up. So I'm of that uh, generation. And that inspired me to always want to have a shop like this and eventually I decided to be able to do that. That's fascinating. Um because yeah you're one of the few areas you're in few areas where you saw some of the early exposure and a lot of those shops have not made it. I mean so people one thing I think people misunderstand about shops. Shops can it can be eternal. They can last for a very long time. But they too mm-hmm. unless they're managed properly uh can they they go, come and go um, along the way. Even for people who are really good at shops, they will close down a shop because they will see that it's not working and then work on a new shop. I've seen that. I've I have actually friends who have done serial shops um, here right. in Chicago, my hometown. There was at one time like 15 metaphysical stores in the 90s, and now oh, wow. there's three or four at most. Right. Uh, the occult books are the oldest in the country, literally the oldest one in the country. It's just had a changeover from a for-profit to a not-for-profit status to maintain their business because they had been so badly hit by the Internet, so badly hit by um, – especially with their dealings and rare books. So they you know, yeah. they saw – and they continue to be this idea of experience. So I do think you made a good move by moving towards experiential, giving people experiences. I think that's going to be yeah. really essential. So it yeah I I'm I'm agreeing with you. Um you don't see too many trained witches anymore. Um and you know uh, I'm trying to to uh 
say this correctly because I don't want to insult anybody, but you just don't have that type of uh, study anymore. And uh, that's pretty much what I focus on here. So if somebody wants to study with me, they have to know the history. Um, you know, my lineage comes from uh, Janet Farrah and Gavin Bone. And they were the very first pagan book that I ever picked up in, in my life. And, you know, now they're my teachers. It, it gets very important to have uh, good teachers out, out there and that they should know what they're talking about. And that will set your store apart from others as opposed to somebody who just opened up the book and, well, there's nothing wrong with uh, self-study um, and, and, and such. It's good to know where somebody got their uh, training from. Well, I've, I've said this over the years, and I've said this from the 90s. Our market, so since we don't proselytize and we actually don't re- promote or recruit, our yep. markets are exceeding – our markets, such as Llewellyn and Wiser and all the book dealers and all the kit dealers are out far outstripping us in our ability to teach. This has yep. always been true in the 90s. And I, I remember hearing the exact same accusations in the 90s, even in the 80s, where, you know, we're getting too many people who learned. And yet the best way that they have is that these marketing, these publishing companies have long outstripped the capability of anybody, including the teachers, to actually take on students. And then mm-hmm. there's a reluctance over and there's a reluctance. You're very for that. I don't think that you can have many uh, uh, Farrar and Bone students anymore. I mean, they've gotten to a point where they're not taking on that many students, as far as I know. And they can never Correct. take on the number of students. And they can never take on the number of students in which they exposed. This is a thing that people don't get. Don't get. And so you're a front line. So the stores represent that front line where if there is anything out there, it defined it because. Trust me, it's a, it's a lot easier to claim to be a teacher and publish a, uh, 10,000 copies of a book than to go and claim a teacher and take on 10 students. Easier right. to publish than students. And, Absolutely. And so you're at the front line of that because, well, you've got to be saturated. There's so many books coming out now, right? So how do you keep up with the book <laughs> yes. flow? Yes. I mean, I have my favorite authors, and then, you know, there are other books that I think are just a rehash of a lot of stuff. And then there's stuff that comes out that I absolutely don't agree with at all, but that's not for me to decide whether, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, an an author is good or not. I am not an author. um, I may write a class, but I'm not a a book author, but you know, um, um, I'll have, you know, my likes and and dislikes uh, with certain things that are out there. Um, I'll bring almost everything in here. Um, but when somebody asks me what do I recommend, I'll lean towards, you know, certain books that uh, let at, at the very least say that I'm familiar with. That makes sense. So that you're able to give them that exposure and some of that training and some of that essence right. of it. And like you said, there's a lot of flow of books. So, and I tell people, remember my thing, go to your local bookstore and try to order the book. They can get it as fast as you as Amazon. Even if Amazon gets yes. you a little faster, you can be patient. Um, yes. Oh, I find Amazon. Amazon's obviously uh, the biggest is the biggest tool and biggest usefulness and the biggest problem in our community. In the yes, sense of I they're agree. all three of it. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people are publishing through Llewellyn now. Um, you know, Llewellyn yes. publishes, but Llewellyn is primarily a captured. 
Unfortunately, they're captured by Amazon too. A majority of their sales go to Amazon. This is a true story, folks. The vast majority of books oh, yeah. are Amazon. So, and this means the authors get the least amount of money. Correct. Because, because Correct. people don't understand how royal. And so when you buy from a local bookstore, actually the authors get a little bit more money than if you buy from Amazon. It's a true story. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so, so, so going to the stores helps both the store and the, and the Blue Ellen versus uh, throwing another rocket into space by Bezos. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, what he, that's what he's using extra dollars for. He's throwing rockets into space. I, I'm all <laughs> for that, but I'd like to keep a few of those dollars here on Earth. Um, well, I think a so lot think, of people think that authors make a lot of money, and they really don't because I've interviewed a lot of authors, and I've had a lot of authors here, and it's real tough for them to make money. So, you know, events are really exciting and other ways of helping to promote their own work, and certainly buying from stores or from the authors directly themselves will help them. Absolutely. Um mm-hmm. No, absolutely. There's a true statement to that. The authors are um, – no author is very few authors in history that have ever really made it. I mean that's a big thing. Even Mark Twain, everybody loves Mark Twain, but Mark Twain was not a successful writer. He was a successful speaker. Right. Uh, secret of his success. He was a stand-up comedian of his day. He was. He was a speaker that people would want to hear or listen to, and then his books did okay. Uh my favorite author, Darwin, who wrote the all these great scientific. The biggest book of his life was a gardening book on how to on how the value of worms, earthworms were. <laughs> it was a big. It really is. His number one book in his lifetime was about gardening with worms. Hmm? Wow! And so he, <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> it's true. It's absolutely true. He wrote it towards the end of his mm-hmm. life after three years of research, and it became his number one selling book. I mean, it actually was a real for him. That was actually a real bestseller. Everything else that he'd yeah. written that we all consider so instrumental, not so much. And I think it's true of a lot of authors. So now we're getting into age. Let me go ahead and one thing. So do you deal at all with uh, like antique books or the rarities now that they're starting to come out? I mean, we're finally getting to an age where Civil Leaks books are more rare. You know, a lot of these early books yeah. are more rare. There's first editions. Do you find yourself dealing with that at all, or is that something that you, you don't deal with very much? I, I don't I haven't dealt with that very much and whenever I and selfishly whenever I've come across a, a book that I would deem as being a real gem like that I might have that in my own personal <laughs> collection uh, something of that or maybe with my cousin I'll share uh, some of those there um, I would say that since I'm an initiate of Janet and and Gavin. Certainly, I sell a lot of their books, and, and you know, Janet's A Witch's Bible was one of the very first. So there are uh, a lot of those what I would call classic authors that I really, really believe in and would uh, uh, put their stuff out there. But when it comes to those classic stuff, if it comes across, I might just um, hold on to some of those things. Or I study a lot of high magic in the Kabbalah as well. So that a lot of that is in my private uh, uh, collection. <laughs> So, so you, so you, so you're a little bit of a bibliophile, huh? Just a little so, bit. Just a little bit. I guess that's one of the things that makes it passionate out there for people. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let me go ahead. So one of the things I've been talking to a lot of tarot readers, and this is you're on the other side of this. 
So I get a lot of I've been talking to a lot of professional tarot readers, and I want to thank everybody who's been on this business uh, week. Um, we're going to be mo- we're going to do a little bit more on this, I think, but we're also going to start moving on to the next subject, which is going to be mm-hmm. about um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, community, and uh, and t- we're going to get more into tarot, and uh, you do a tarot class and things like that. But one of the things I've seen tarot readers say is go find out how to start your shop, you know, practice, 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 and then start to look towards your local shop. But when I when people mention this, I, I kind of be quiet a little bit. But it's hard because a lot of shops already have readers, and and, you, and it's, so if someone wanted to start and try read out of your shop, could they? Yes, and, and I catch people. Um, it, it it's a little it's a little tough because I'm known for my tarot, and I have to put it that way. And I've had people say, "Hey, I took this class for Bernadette," and and I know her personally, so, you know, um, I'm a great tower reader, and, and they've gone to other shops, you know, and used my name to, to throw that around. Um, so I've had people come here, and I'll try them out for a little while, um, but I've had the best success with my own students. So um, because at least I know that I've developed a relationship with them, I know where they're at ethically because ethics Mm -hmm. are a big thing for me. And if a reader is not good, it reflects back on the store itself uh, pretty badly. So I I have not, um, at least in the past few years, had anybody that I didn't at least have a relationship uh, with. I do have psychic fairs. I do run psychic fairs. And I'll give a lot of people a chance uh, in those. Uh, settings because I can see how work, how well they work on the pressure and how well they develop, you know, their own style. Because everybody is different. Not everybody reads it the same way. And it gives me an idea as to how good they are. Um, I would love to test them out individually, but they'll always be on their best behavior if they do that. So it's that's not always the litmus test, but watching a, a reader in action is probably um, – the best way that I will uh, vet uh, readers here, you know, somebody mm-hmm. comes to you and you could really hurt them with a, a, a bad reading. And, and I would never want that to happen. Well, that makes good sense that you wouldn't want that to happen. Of course not. I mean, you, it's your reputation and, and you do and the difference I think between a shop and some other methods is that you do live in that, you do live in that sort of Community. I mean, that's a big thing. Like when I, I when people do, I do. I work at Second Fair in Salem. And I do my best job, but most of the people I'm reading are passing through. Mm-hmm. They're passing through. They, they want the reading, and it's mostly for entertainment purposes. I'll be honest, and they're you know, sure. some people are serious, but I'm not so I'm not so terribly worried about. Now I do the best job I can, but I'm so not so worried about the long term effect of that reading. Right. Very immediate okay. and things like that. But as a shop owner, you do have to worry about that because that person knows yes. where you're at, and they can come right back at, come right back to you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you um, and you can deal with important. that. And you have to deal with these people. You know, if they come back and they're upset or they're crying, or I've had people come to me from other shops and were literally afraid to take another reading. So I would do something mm-hmm. small for free and say, if you like my style and my approach, you could take it from there. It, it all, kindness is important, and kindness can probably 
get you far in, in this world. You know what I mean? And um, tarot is about helping other people. You know, in a way, you're, you're like a therapist. I'm not saying that you are. But if you understand the tarot, you should have a good understanding of psychology and how to deliver that information to people. Once people are comfortable with that and they get it, then you have repeat customers, and then your word of mouth comes back to you, and that will help support the store. And so then that's an essential, that is an essential tool. So yes. how do people contact, so where, okay, so how do people contact you with your store? If they want to know more about you, how do they contact you? Um, Facebook has been probably the number one thing. So you can go to uh, Breathe Closet on Facebook. Um, and I also have my website. Uh, most people contact me that way. Facebook is probably the most active or interactive, and um, people will then uh, contact me that way. Um, I have a lot of different pages there. So I have one for my tarot course. I have one um, for a general, it's called Breathe Closet Tarot and Divination Forum, and we talk about all things um, to do with divination in general. Um, I have my business page there, Breathe Closet. There are a lot of different ways. And now we're, like I said, we're in uh, Beltane mode. So now I'm working on putting the festival together. Um, and so people, a lot of people are contacting me. A lot of vendors are contacting me as a result of that. That sounds fantastic. I mean, and also, it, I, I'm, because this year is going to be, and I'm telling everybody, Pay attention to this uh, Halloween, this Sawin, and I mean Halloween, okay? Mm-hmm. People go, oh, you mean you mean Sawin? Go, okay, yeah, Sawin too, because that's our religious <laughs> holiday. But I mean Halloween. This one is a so this is a very this is going to be one of those Halloweens people are going to remember for a long time. It's on a Saturday. It's a full moon. Wow! And guess, and it's the day that they turn the clocks back all on the same day. Oh my! I didn't even check into that yet. <laughs> okay. This is why I'm. I agree with people. you. It's going to be off the, and if the weather's at all decent, it's going to be off the hook. This is the year I'm telling groups that if you're doing fundraising, if you do anything, this Halloween pay attention to because it's going to be the most hyped Halloween we've ever. And it's right before the election. It's going to be the most hyped Halloween you've ever. Oh seen. my! Wow, we do yeah. a pretty big salon here because we get to do it outside and we have a permanent altar outside. So we usually get, I don't know, you know, maybe 80 people, 50 to 80 people, depending, um, mm-hmm. because it's our last outside uh, festival uh, or event, not festival, uh, ritual. And uh, that will be pretty interesting. Right. I didn't realize that all those things were happening that day. Most people haven't realized. Well, we, you know, as much as we're tied to it, we, we tend to, we like everybody, we tend to have short-term Look, I've known this since last year because I'm, I'm doing a ritual. I'm in the middle of a one-year ritual that I did last year, which was Mercury Retrograde. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mercury, the Mercury Retrograde on Halloween at 11.41 a.m., and then it ends up with a year later with a full moon. It's a very interesting <laughs> set of – but, yeah, no, um, and I think that I think that's something that people pay attention to. I think people pay attention at the last minute, but I do think that this year I've I'm, I'm been mentioning it to shops and, and individuals that – it's going to make it a very different type of Halloween this year. This one's going to be, and people go, what do you mean by Halloween? What, you mean Samhain? Go, no. Samhain is a holiday, a religious holiday. And how we practice Correct. that, and how we practice that is a whole different way. But there is this ambient holiday that's called Halloween that's kind of based kind of on, it's pop culture, it's society. It changes, but it's based a little bit on our Samhain. 
but it's mm-hmm. still something that we see. It's more of like, you know, you know, there's Christmas, there's the Christian mass for Christmas. I tell people there's Christmas is the holiday. Christmas mass or Christ Correct. is what was, was a different thing. So that's the difference I try to explain. But yeah, you know, this Halloween is going to be fantastic and there's going to be a whole lot of energy out there. And you, like you said, you already get a lot of energy from that period of time. So my last question for the day, we know how to get a hold of you. And I want to thank you for taking us through your process and everything. So what do you think? So I'm going to ask you probably that. What do you think is the next big trend you see happening in the metaphysical or world that you're seeing that you're, you're starting to ride into? What do you think is about to, do you see anything that's on the horizon? Um, I'm trying to think is, is what is, is new, you know, um, I hope I'm going to explain this right because there are the new uh, generation of teachers. You know, our um, our elders are starting to pass away. You know, Raymond Buckland passed away, and and all of the um, original. I don't want. I don't know if original is the right way to put it, but um, the next generation is now uh, starting to come up, and that's that's the generation below me because I'll, I'll be 60 next year. So it, now it's the next generation that will appeal more to the millennials and the Gen Xers and, and all that. That is what I'm beginning to, to see. So the next generation of elders, uh, or I, I would say like the authors that I really appreciate would be something like Christopher Penzak. I think he is one of our best authors that are, are there. Um, unfortunately, we lost uh, Raven Gramasi, who was uh, a mentor to me and an amazing person, um, another mentor is Lady Rhea um, in New York, but I've known her since I was like 18 years old in my my New York City days. Um, it's the next generation of authors, and he's also experiential because he has his own temple. He runs uh, festivals. It's not a ju- just about his books. So that excites me when I see um, authors like him coming up to, to the helm and, and really representing you know, what, you know, my idea of, of paganism, you know, he's really heady and, and, you know, learned and um, I really respect uh, a lot of the work that he does. So it's, it's teachers like that, that I, I that I'm beginning to see, which is um, very helpful and, and encouraging to me. I love Panzak myself. Uh, I think that he does a great job and he's out this year. Last year he took a year off uh, from his tours and he's back up on the tour cycle again. Um, mm-hmm. I throw Byron Byler is somebody who's emerging too. I don't know if you've heard of her right. much, and her, her Appalachian magic. She's kind of really kind of yes. uh, eating yes. this soil. So I think yes, that yes. I do think that, and I think permaculture a little bit, but uh, gardening. I think that you know we, we need a good gardening company inside the pagan community. We do. We need a good. You know that's company. a great idea. I'm an avid gardener, so yeah, I like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A lot of us are. I mean, I think that. And, and I'm not seeing real, so I'm always for, you know, more practicality. Um, and so you can contact her on Facebook, Bernadette Montana. Yeah, at Bernadette Bridge. Montana or uh, Breed's Closet. Breed's Closet, and, uh, see. Oh, yeah, or on the, the, my website is www.breedscloset.com. And I want to thank you for being a part of the show today. Abe, I thank uh, you for asking me. It was wonderful to be able to be here today. It is. It is. It's always, it's always wonderful to be here. 
so folks, well, as you know, why don't you tell me what you guys are looking at for us to cover, continuing to cover. Um, this is my year of commitment to, to bring you more of the community and, and great interviews like this. And uh, <clears throat> we will talk to all of you soon. And so remember, if you're out in Cornwall, New York, go visit uh, Bernadette. And yeah, go Thank out and you. get there and, and get a reading, too. So oh, that's blessed awesome. be, folks. Thank you. Have a great day. And, uh, Bye-bye. Everybody have a great day. And uh, so one last statement for everybody. Give, contact me at Ed the Pagan Show at any time. You can go Ed the Pagan Show, edthepagan.com. You know, just you can find me. I'm easy. I'm out there <laughs> skirting the waves. And uh, and tell me what you guys want to talk about. And go to my Facebook page and answer the question. Are, have you ever been involved with a witch hunter or a witch war? I want to hear, hear your involvement. <laughs> so thank you. And blessed be and have a great day. Make it a good day. Blessed be. Bye-bye.